0: welcome back folks to another episode of black hoodie alchemy i am your host anthony tyler and i am here with my friend ap strange uh fortian investigator flying saucer enthusiast uh pretty badass musician as well uh just very multifaceted artist and researcher um this is our first official conversation uh we've had some back and forth and uh he he's always uh he, he's always well equipped with uh with some sort of interesting current news he's really good at uh finding niche topics um in that traditional 14 sense and you know i'm sure there's a lot of people who have maybe heard the term 14 maybe on this show maybe not uh more likely you're familiar with the types of Things that it encompasses, but not so much with the word. Uh, we'll get into that a little more. Uh, Mr. AP Strange, you can find him at apstrange.com where he has musings about bad horror movies and uh, old school sci fi and interesting unexplainable phenomena. Um, and you can find his podcast, uh, it is The Eternal Void, but with jazz. Did I get that right? Yep. Nice. Yep, All right. Well, welcome to the show, Mr. AP Strange. How are you doing, man? Hey, pretty good. Thanks for having me here. Absolutely. Thank you for joining me. Uh, I was telling you before we started that it's uh, uh, the <laughs> 14 phenomena, 14 investigation. The definition in and of itself is, uh, is, is something that you can toss around. and You could give a brief contextual definition, but you really need enough room to stretch your legs uh, to try and wrap your head around what it all entails. Because like I said, I think most people, You know, most people have heard of something Fortean, whether it be like John Keel or Mothman or just Art Bell and Coast to Coast. Uh, But if you wouldn't mind, um, if you could get into like what Fortean investigation, you know, Charles Fort uh, in any variety of detail uh, that you would like to.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, it goes back to Charles Hoey Fort, who is the author of the Book of the Damned among other books, uh, Low and Wild Talents. Um, so that's kind of, you, you know, that, that's kind of the beginning of it all <laughs> with uh, <laughs> in regards to uh, ways of looking at, at basically reality in the world, but more specifically the unexplainable or unexplained events of the world. So, um, I mean, f- the impetus for the Book of the Damned was in part, Uh, fort's failure as a fiction writer (laughs) but also uh his annoyance at at the like arrogance of of people that seem to think they have it all figured out right Mm -hmm. so he spent countless hours at the new york public library coming through old science journals and uh magazines and books and tomes of of uh of recorded things that happened and it, the the ones that did were outliers and didn't seem to fit with the model of science as it was understood at the time were what he referred to as damned facts and evidence they were just you know they were condemned to forever be in the margins of these science journals as something that wasn't satisfactorily explained but more 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 commonly brushed away right right so. <laughs> So I mean the the basis of Fortean thinking, which of course Fort himself was resistant to um, his ideas becoming like an ideology, because Forteanism is also uh, is almost anti-ideology, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but
0: <laughs> I would absolutely agree with it, and that's why I always liked Fort. Um, you know, not to get too high-minded about it, but I don't know, in a way it, for me, he, it's kind of reminiscent of, um, of uh, Plato and the philosopher King, like someone that is fit to not rule, but uh, you know, spearhead um, a mindset, if you will. Um, Someone who is fit to do that doesn't want to. And the people that do want to are usually not fit to. So I, uh, I respect um, Fort's counterculture. He he has, doesn't he have some sort of quote um, where he's, he says that any group of people that um, w- are looking to follow him is not a group that he would want to be a part of.
1: <laughs> well, um, I mean, that's that's the old Groucho Marx line, actually. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Groucho. definitely that mentality, though,
0: of with Fort.
1: When the 14 society began, I think that's the name of it. Now, now I'm questioning it. but there was. Uh, I think you're right right
0: um
1: they they invited him and he, he didn't want to join <laughs>
0: <laughs> see and i love that yeah uh because i'm pretty even when i find myself drawn to uh schools of thought or mindsets i i'm hesitant to say i am this uh, instead i say i'm you know for i'm inspired by you know among other things but if there's anything i could say that I feel most comfortable saying that I am is probably a 14, but even there, you know, it's just, it's all, you are just what you are and you're interested in what you're interested in. And I, uh, I think there's something to be said about pigeonholing yourself. Um, so that's a, that's a great, a really great way to preface the conversation is kind of in that Buddhist sense, the more we pigeonhole the idea of f- what it means to be a 14, and the more we're kind of losing some of it in a way. And so you could keep that in mind, but we also have to kind of uh, grab the bull by the horns if we want to understand what we're talking about here. But you're right. 14 um, phenomena, just an empirical approach to unexplainable phenomena, not even trying to understand how it's happening so much as it is just saying, hey, this has happened. And unless we can come up with a better, you know, a good explanation, this is some stuff that we're going to have to figure out at some point.
1: Right. And I mean, I think one thing that a lot of people miss about Fort is a sense of humor, too.
0: Yes, um, yes. I'm glad I you brought that up.
1: Down to his writing style being a bit... Well, idiosyncratic is a is kind of an understatement with Fort. But... <laughs> with, um, You know, some might go as far as to say he wasn't a very good writer. But uh, the, he, he had a sense of humor. Like, there's a very... Yes, he did. Just, just joking, right? So... <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and there's a sense of humor with like the phenomena itself one uh could argue as well um like inherently there's this surrealist quality where in the sense that surrealism is kind of a wink and a nod to your uh you know your gauges of reality itself and 14 phenomena is just kind of by definition that sort of wink and a nod to Hey, you don't really understand what reality even is. Um,
2: well, and so,
0: right. so I mean, what? Oh, the, you go the ahead. The term surrealism
1: comes from super realism. You know that that's how they developed that as a term.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, it's the it's the reality that extends beyond our perceptual reality and encompasses it.
0: Yeah, uh, and that is a great. Uh, that that actually reminds me of the whole. Uh, goblin universe motif there um which i think is um I, I i guess it's like um kind of a uh goes back to i didn't think i'd be talking about plato so much this conversation but like the platonic ideals and neoplatonism in a way like what do you think is the root so 14 phenomena if it's the umbrella term for anything sort of unexplainable and we could pick that apart more as we go along what do you think we're looking at here overall like is is there a unifying theory to most of it is it all just uh compartmentalized into its own subjects or how do you look at that
1: uh yeah i mean i think it's human nature to want to categorize and and uh refine and and put everything into like some kind of linnaeus system of (laughs) um you know slapping latin names on things and making it seem like we have some kind of idea of what's going on (laughs) i have an encyclopedic listing about it you know Mm -hmm. and i have plenty of books like that that i adore i love having them around and terminology is helpful but is there a unifying theory behind it and um i think there is and i think that it would be the ultimate answer is so beyond our comprehension that you know, guessing at it is just, um, you know, stabbing in the dark, uh, thinking about this earlier today, I was thinking there is a quote from, I believe a physicist, but I failed to track down the quote, uh, the attribution of the quote, but it was, I actually, I think uh, many people have said some variation of this, that reality is not only as weird as we like, weirder than we think is weirder than we have the capability to think. Mm. Yeah, very well said. <laughs> like reality is so weird that we don't even have a context for how weird it is because we'd have to be outside our perceptual reality already to understand the ultimate weirdness.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. Um yeah, the weird, the strange and the uh the humorous at times um and phenomena sort of encapsulates um a lot of different things that you don't find together elsewhere and um uh so what do you would you say that uh ufos are perhaps the most near and dear to your heart
1: uh it ends up being the one i talk about the most i think
0: is that because uh people uh think to ask you about it or because you you uh gravitate towards it so much or maybe a little bit of both
1: I think I have the most fun with it. Cool. Honestly. And it's like in recent years that people have really tried to suck the joy out of ufology as much as possible.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Tell me about it, man. Yeah. Um, And you have, you've witnessed a a much larger scope than I have in terms of like the evolution of, um, of these communities like ufology. Um, Would you mind going into that a little bit? Um, Like just a what got you into um ufos have you seen any um what what do you think of the state of affairs today and how it's progressed or degressed
1: well it's uh more of the same kind of as it's always been like you know everything comes around again it's all cyclical
2: Mm -hmm.
1: it's funny because like you know of the couple questions you asked me it, it kind of all dovetails nicely because When I was younger, I mean, my interest in a lot of this stuff began with um, my own paranormal experiences uh, with poltergeist activity and uh, visitations and stuff like that. So um, as a as a young, young kid, I was reading about parapsychology and uh, ghosts and uh, hauntings and all that kind of stuff. Um, But naturally, like all these things end up in the same books, like The Reader's Digest collection um mysteries of the unexplained my mom had a copy of that lying around so
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice
1: came like my reference point for a lot of um the ghost stuff i was looking into but then i'm looking at spontaneous human combustion and uh demonic uh possession and <laughs> weird coincidences and uh cryptozoology so like being a kid and loving dinosaurs Like, naturally, a lot of kids of my generation did. Um, I imagine that's still a thing. But Oh, yeah. um, (laughs) And the Loch Ness Monster were, like, two huge inspirations to me. Because, like, even as a kid, I I had doubts that they could exist, but really wanted them to. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) So it's kind of funny because at that time, so this is, you know, I was younger in the 90s. by the time I was seeking out more books about this stuff, like in uh, my preteens and teen years. Um, And ufology was kind of boring back then. I mean, uh, things were so dominated by government conspiracies, Roswell and, um, uh, well, I mean, those two things mainly. uh, (laughs) Everything was always Roswell. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the X-Files was on, which I was a huge fan of. But um, UFOs, to me, just kind of like, oh, abductions. That was the other thing. So government conspiracies, abductions, and Roswell was all all of ufology, as far as I could tell.
0: (laughs) Right. And cattle mutilations.
1: That too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But not not a whole lot of like meat. A lot of weird odds and ends. But a lot of nuts and
1: bolts, really. Yeah. So it was a heavily nuts and bolts era of ufology. Um, I mean, I guess you could uh because the only other examples were like heaven's gate you know? so right
0: <laughs> people true People stay
1: far away from any kind of more woo interpretations of ufos um i think in part because of that so i mean growing up ufos weren't my biggest interest i did like them in in the stew of all the weird things i was all about but um it's really been a more recent uh well i mean the last 10 20 years
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: i've discovered like the contactees and the whole history of it that's um you you have these times where ufology becomes fun and then you have times where it becomes not so fun and usually it's a mix of both
0: <laughs> right right understandable um of um of the the more traditional at this point ufo whether it be contactee or just like experiencer names, um, you know, like Whitley Strieber, uh, Travis Walton, people like that, like uh, Betty and Barney Hill, well, which ones hold most weight to you?
1: Of experiencers?
0: Yeah, like the stories, because, you know, it. these things are on a case-by-case basis, uh, truly. And um, um, I do think while uh, there's clearly some, uh, traditional UFOs in the sky, whatever they are, you can't trust everyone who talks about them. So what are the ones that ring most genuine to you out of all the stories you've heard um, uh, it, that um, you would recommend other people look into?
1: Oh, well, um, I have a hard time with that because like, I've had weird stuff happen to me, right? And I have friends that tell me the stories of what happened to them that i believe wholeheartedly mm-hmm. and, uh, then sometimes somebody will tell me something that maybe at a different point in my life i wouldn't have believed them at all <laughs> and i would have just humored them but uh at this point like i don't really feel like i have room to doubt people entirely i wouldn't discard anybody's experience 100 percent because i think even if it's entirely made up or entirely uh hallucinatory or delusion based um, it's still an experience, right? So um, I would I, <laughs> get into this where I'm a big fan of hoaxers. I actually really enjoy hoaxers. Um, <laughs> not really the grifters. I don't like the grifters. If they're making money off of it or hurting people in the process, then that's not good. But
0: yeah, um, I can relate to that. I, I get what you mean where almost in that Andy Kaufman esque sort of way there's a there's an art and even at least usually a sense of humor to what a, like a hoax, but then someone who's like a huckster or a snake oil salesman or a grifter that's a different story. And sometimes the wires get crossed. But um, oh, anyway, awesome. keep keep going. I didn't mean to cut you off there.
1: Yeah. No, I mean all of it's so complicated, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. People are complicated, and um, it's it's really hard to say. Well, this person has a 100 percent reliable story um or this person is like you know 100% fake you know like it, it's hard to um say one way or another mostly what i can say about anybody's experience is what from what they tell me well something happened right
0: <laughs> absolutely
1: it's not nothing right so um when you get into the contactee's the stories often just get weirder right uh, a lot of the, one of the examples that I like to use and has become more popular in recent years is Joe Simonton and, and the pancakes from outer space um, where, you know, flying saucer lands in his backyard and the occupants come out that just look like uh, look like Italian guys. I think he described them as ask him for some water and then they make him some pancakes and then leave. Right? Oh, that's
0: that was in Eagle River, Wisconsin, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that story because I grew up outside of Anchorage, Alaska in Eagle River, Alaska. So I thought that was fun. That's exactly, that's a great example though. just strange uh, questions, the fabric of reality and, and for what a punchline about pancakes if, made by who we have no idea. But, else, why would you make that up? Right? Totally. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, like, I think uh, Buck Nelson is very
1: similar. He was like another contactee that got taken on a ride to the moon and then Venus as written in his book, which is called like my journey to the moon and then Venus. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome title. (laughs) My exhaust your occupants have a big dog named Bo. Wow. And uh, you know, like, I mean, these stories are so wacky that you just wonder why somebody would just make that up. Right. Like, why would they like, what? (laughs)
0: <laughs> absolutely um that reminds me of um good old uh indrid cold who is the guy that traveled with indrid cold do you remember his name
1: woody Derenberger.
0: there you go yeah um that's a strange story um it's uh if anyone knows 40 and phenomena you've probably heard this at least a couple times but um that's a that's a hell of a story if 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 you wouldn't mind uh talking about that a little bit if you're interested
1: Oh well, sure. I mean, his initial encounter with Indrid Cold is just like on a, on a road outside of, you know, civilized areas, so it's like a backcountry road. And uh, injured Cold landed in a spaceship that was it, was, it was some weird shape. It was shaped like a stovepipe or something like that. <laughs> and he gets out and they have like this odd telepathic conversation and that story like it has elements of like men in black kind of stories and mm-hmm. it in and around point pleasant area so it's connected with like the mothman stories um but darenberger later went on to talk about how Andrew cold comes back and he gets to meet cold's sons carl ardo and uh and um uh there's another one. I can't remember his name now, but they go to the planet Lanulos.
0: Mm, yeah. I forgot about that name. Yeah. I always thought yeah. that was a fun name.
1: It's a great name. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, you have all these, like, you know, 50s sci-fi elements that are involved uh, um, with, with the storytelling, and they're so grandiose, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I mean, I don't know. The, this kind of ventures further from from Fortiana in a way because it's not just a report of something that that begs more explanation it's just kind of anecdotal or storytelling and true um, modern myth making really you know
0: yeah um now let's see you mentioned hallucination and this is always the fine line that i'm i'm fascinated with poking and prodding um the the like how much of a difference is there between these things and hallucination um and try to keep this as untangled as possible here but like you know you of all people know well that whether or not we know what's happening there's a whole lot of different instances throughout all sorts of different fields of observation where we can see like seemingly non-physical things have very physical interactions whether it be poltergeists or you know, whatever else um, hauntings. So it, it, it definitely seems possible that something like a UFO or a lot of 14 phenomena, um, you know, whether it be cryptozoology or otherwise could be this sort of whatever it is, you know, it is piggybacking off of a, a Jungian projection process or, or what have you, what do you, what do you think is going on there? Like the, the, the line or the role that um something like hallucinations or uh, schizophrenia altered states of consciousness what what is the role that all that plays in in fortiana
1: well you have to be very careful talking about these things cuz i mean i would preface it by saying that if you're experiencing what you think are hallucinations you should see a medical professional
0: right absolutely First
1: and foremost cuz there is the danger of like making this a one to one equation and then uh feeding people's delusional beliefs which you know that falls under the the header of hurting people right
0: so right 100% <laughs> uh,
1: don't want to do that so um but no i mean it's interesting cuz really one of my personal experiences that i don't think i've told before on a show because uh i've always chickened out whenever i thought about it was <laughs> i used to i used to have hallucinations sometimes um in my younger years it was you know i was diagnosed with with uh various disorders and had medication that i had to take um and i was smoking a hell of a lot of weed when i was younger (laughs) and i wasn't you know hallucinations weren't foreign to me uh but I, I I kind of learned to accept them over time, and I would sometimes see people walking down the street or in the middle of the street that I knew weren't there. So, um, wow. This one night I w- was working at a cafe, left the cafe with closed the cafe with with my friend who worked with me, um, and we were going to go to a bar, but we wanted to take the long way over there and um, you know smoke a bit before we got there. We went around this like this uh crazy back road that kind of looks over the city, and there's a woman standing kind of in the road, like not quite in the middle of the road, but kind of just enough in the road that that she's you know in danger of being hit and I could see her very clearly; she could see she was wearing like a polka dotted dress, and her hair looked wet even though it wasn't raining out. And she had her head dip forward a little bit, looking up at us. And um, we come around this corner and my buddy swerves around her. And it took like a second for that marble to drop in my brain where I was like, wait, he swerved around my hallucination. Wow. <laughs> so he he reacted right away. He's like, damn. He's like, I could have hit her. Why was she in the road? I'm like, oh, she's not really there, you know? And wow. So he pulls over right away and turns around and comes back. And like I said, this is a road that's elevated high above the city. It's just got a big, it's got like a guardrail along the edge and a fence so that people don't topple off of it. Uh-huh. But there's nowhere to go from where she was and uh, nobody was there. Wow. So I'm just like, oh, maybe the road phantoms are a little bit real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah around i like i had a friend that worked at a gas station in the city and he said that he would sometimes see him and uh I had another friend that would sometimes see him and i was like all right well i guess road phantoms might be a thing right like yeah or or i could be hallucinating and simultaneously there are also road phantoms right
0: yeah would see man it <laughs> that's the that's the real catch of the whole thing is once you try and dive into like the ontology of this stuff, it's just so tangled, you know, where do you, where do you separate any of this? Like you laid it all out really well. Um, and I think it's great. You know, it's what I do all the time to um, kind of arm wrestle these questions a little bit and you know um, intellectual exercise and whatnot, but having your um, your mentality or your emotions or your, your point of view in life um like your quality of life i guess you i would say um tied to these things is very dangerous ultimately yeah um uh, and and i guess that's you know i know i'm just kind of rambling so the but uh the, it, i think that's an interesting point to make where some people kind of replace this stuff with spirituality um and i and i do think that in the same way that you know, hallucinations, etc. um, that can also and usually does in some way bleed into into spirituality, at least historically. I mean, we could see the parallels in all this here, but, um, you know, that's
1: like... F- not to, because it's it, it's an affront to your concept of reality, right?
0: Right, right.
1: I think but, that's the reason people get scared a lot of the time is because it challenges what their preconception was.
0: Do you think... As I've kind of come to the opinion at this point and I don't know, it could be uh like an unnecessarily staunch line in the sand drawn maybe, but um I think that the UFOs um and we'll come up to the break here soon and we'll, we'll mix it up a little bit, but like UFOs and the idea of the, the extraterrestrial, it seems something like has this sort of hermetic trickster element to it, where I think that it's, dangerous to um in that trickster sense to um well i guess heaven's gate being a great example like i i think these things sort of occupy an archetypal seat in our subconscious mind that if you idolize it too much it 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 just kind of throws you off kilter potentially what do you think about that
1: no i think that's i think that's a solid point but um you're talking about uh, about becoming obsessed with ufos because classically that's not good for one's health
0: right right yeah i yeah that's pretty much the easiest way you could break it down and you could take it further and say like people actually worshiping and ufo cults and stuff but at its at its most base point just the the idea of the obsession that comes with the whether it be paranoia from people uh, you know government following you or just the the obsessive need to know the truth etc you find that so much that's how a... i
1: characterize a lot of what's happened since 2017 is um the the end goal of of disclosure with a capital d <laughs> is,
2: mm-hmm.
1: is um uh, you know the goal that's ever you know always coming tomorrow but never quite there you know um uh, it's a, it's a form of monomania you know it's it, it's it's like a white whale for uh <laughs> For all the newbie, rookie UFO people that prefer the term UAP, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and like Ahab, it's going to it can be like your undoing, you know. Like,
0: um, damn, was- that's a mic drop. Yeah, if like uh, the whole <laughs> UFO community, Uf- UFOlogy in and of itself, like it seems like now more than ever with the the mainstream media attention is is really chasing Moby Dick out there. Yeah, nice. Alright, well we're gonna go that's great. We're gonna go into a brief commercial break. Um I'm here with AP Strange on Black Hoodie Alchemy. Stay with us, we'll be right back.
3: Brief the cause. Babylon shine. What up? What up? Smile in the, building, yo. In the yo. I
4: am the thunder. I'm every single drop of rain, I'm the hunger I'm every single ounce of pain, I'm the tides Saltwater, ocean, far and wide, I'm hard to find In your face, in front of your eyes I'm war, I'm peace, gas is stripped in the Middle East I'm the feast, biblical famine, I am the beast I'm the cure, the savior of that, you'll be sure I'm the pure lack of confidence inside the unsure All things at all times, I'm no one at all I'm your first kiss, I'm just another kid in the hall I'm traffic tickets, I'm a kid with asthma, swimming I'm bad nutrition Bullet holes in your madam's linen I brought some crips, I'm the blood on your kicks I'm on the world politics, entertaining your kids I'm hip hop, golden age, these shows with no pay I'm young, I'm old, I live forever, die in a day Yes I am. I am, I am that I am, yes I am I am
3: that I am, yes I am I am that I am, yes I am At the crossroads I am that Yo. I am I'm the rope in the quicksand that stops you from sinking I'm a cold glass of water the morning after you're drinking I'm the words that emerge from the tip of the ink pen I'm the thought bubble that shows the world what you're thinking I'm the music, the madness, the melody, the comic, the tragedy The misdemeanor and the felony I'm the secret recipe I'm a split for the freshest weed I'm fate, I'm hate, I'm destiny I'm love, I'm drugs, I'm nerd, I'm thug I'm known to lace my trees with raid because my brain is bugged I'm a mastodon connecting with Babylon Fuck with me and I am cracking jaws. I'm the bastard cause. I'm the one telling you to pass the bong. I am a recorded, mixed, and newly mastered song. I'm the speakers that you blast them on. Whack rappers, I'm coming after y'all. I I am that I am. Yes, I am. I am am that I am. Yes, I am. I am
4: am that I am. Yes, I am. At the crossroads, I am that I
5: am.
6: Thousands of people are having paranormal experiences with ghosts, demons, shadow people, dogmen, Bigfoot, and more. Their stories need to be told, and they are being told. Dark Waters, the renowned storyteller, invites you to join at imdarkwaters.com. For just a few dollars a month, you can listen to some of the most hair-raising and compelling stories on the planet. You'll have access to real-life stories told by Dark Waters, thousands of hours of content. Their encounters are being told and told by the best at iamdarkwaters.com. Listen to stories like The Rabbit Man, The Dog Man Encounter in Silas, Alabama, The Man With No Face, The other woman, a day ahead of the devil, dogman murder and Hurricane Ida, even a story of someone trying to kill a dogman, Louisiana water demon stories. Sign up today and become a member at imdarkwaters.com. That's imdarkwaters.com. Musicians experience a lot of frustration with music marketing and promotion. They have no idea how to get their music heard. And they're spending hours sending emails, making phone calls, and hitting up their friends to promote them. With our industry powered digital marketing platform, we
1: can set up your media plan in minutes. Our team will automatically distribute your music across all the best channels so you can focus on actually making the music. Submit your music today on our website at mymusicpromoter.com. That's mymusicpromoter.com. Listen as we explore the mysteries of the universe, the unknown high strangeness consciousness and our human potential lighting the void is an eclectic program that strives to ignite the late night with stimulating conversations join us on the fringe fm
0: all right uh, welcome back folks this is still the same show in case um, you got uh, confused there. Uh, I'm sitting here with uh, AP Strange, Fortean Investigator, and um, definitely a multifaceted artist in general. You can go check out some of his music that I really dug. It was like some Fortean uh good stuff. Uh, Cowboy Matt Hopewell, check that out on YouTube. Um, but uh, we were talking about. We, Uh, ufos and 14 phenomena um that was uh that was a nice little bow that we had on the conversation there at the end uh before the break uh you said that um ufology is kind of chasing the proverbial moby dick right now and uh but so i want to talk to you about some other stuff as well like um what what is some of the um what are some of the most compelling things uh, about 14 investigation, like, uh, topics, um, you know, like uh, other than UFOs that you're most interested in, do you have any preferences?
1: Uh, not really. I mean, my, my favorites are generally the weirdest of the weird. <laughs> so, um, things that, the any story that, that combines elements of multiple different, different unexplained phenomena, you know? the ones that aren't easy to put in one box, right? Those are always the, the most interesting to me.
0: Um, I want to throw, uh, speaking of which, on that in that exact vein of thought there, what do you think about some of these odds and ends that I've always found, like, just so left field and just kind of head scratching? Like, for instance, what do you think of... uh? uh
1: the the cattle mutilations um well uh there's uh, there's a lot there i mean it's there is and i don't know what to make of it it's all very strange yeah. um well it, i think the the approach to it has classically been a bit reductionist you know like there was a quote that i came across at one point one of the early cases where a cattle rancher had said that it had to have been aliens from space or the government because nobody else would do something so weird and seemingly pointless, you know? Uh, Mm -hmm. And then the other culprit that always got brought up was some kind of cult ritual.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: Like some satanic cult was going out and doing it. Right.
0: Um, None uh, of them make any more sense than the other.
1: None of them do. Right. They're (laughs) They're all nonsense. I mean, and, and to me, uh, i i always kind of feel like uh the eth is that way as well because no whenever you say ufos everybody thinks aliens from outer space um so and that's not what that means necessarily
0: absolutely (laughs) but
1: it's now the implied meaning so like with with, um and likewise the government the government is an incredibly ambiguous term um are we (laughs) talking (laughs) <laughs> if we're mm-hmm. talking about like the a government, like what are we talking about? Which branch? Which, no kidding, right? So, um, with cattle mutilations themselves, uh, it, I don't know. It's it, it's it's something very very strange. Um, you, you can take like a a uh, um, take all the facts and realize that. You know there's never footprints around them uh um, so I mean, that kind of rules out people being there, so it's almost like they've been dropped from the sky i guess is is the the main thing um but yeah, the examination is is the part that's more of interest to me Because uh, I've been digging into some vampire lore lately, mm. Uh, I was joking the other day that I've been meaning to be, to uh, start a new career as a vampire hunter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just uh, moved to new Orleans, man. You'll find a lot of them.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A TV show that said the count of St. Germain was a vampire and he was living in new Orleans or something like
0: that. <laughs> no shit, man. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I love the, uh, that the weird vampire lore, um, you find just steeped in new Orleans. Um, that's an interesting place but um no uh, please continue wherever you were going so
1: blood blood is important Mm -hmm. and and i think that's a big clue so i think that when we're talking about things having uh variation on on their levels of material existence whether it's something that's just ephemeral or doesn't quite exist in a material plane as we understand it but can also at other times be then uh, maybe blood is is uh, sort of one of those keys, one of those things that can help make that happen. Yeah. So I have I have entertained the theory that there are invisible, non corporeal things that can become more solid by taking blood.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, amidst everything, the vast context of this whole conversation. Um, that that seems perfectly uh, that seems like a no crazier than any of the other theories like i like it you see i'm how yeah just anyone else out there i'm definitely not expecting either of us to pin down any answers in this conversation but that, that that's um yeah yeah absolutely that's great food for thought though um and if for anyone that's unfamiliar with the cattle mutilations go check that out um it's just a weird rabbit hole and on the checklist, um, what about <laughs> what about black helicopters, man? What was people's deal with that in the '90s? They, everyone was really obsessed with that, like in this circle. Well,
1: that, yeah, I mean, and that was tangential to to the to the cattle mutilations, you know.
0: Um, right.
1: Often seen in the same, because I mean they were apparently silent, unmarked, um, which you know helicopters. I think helicopter technology has come a long way since then but back in the 90s, like, you would definitely hear a helicopter. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They're pretty loud. (laughs) Um, Like, silent black helicopters was just kind of... And it also, like, the black triangle UFO was Mm -hmm. at the time, right? Um, Or becoming more common. So um, they they were almost just, like, -like, phantom-like symbols of,
0: of the paranoia of that era um uh, I, yeah that's probably if, if there was any sort of reasonable especially like Jungian interpretation of it definitely seems to be a like an emblem of the paranoia of the era
1: um yeah. i mean i would recommend anybody find works by jim keith and look at those because that's 90s paranoia really just kind of uh in a nutshell boiled down but also kind of he he always seemed to just Oh, get get you right to the brink of the worst kinds of '90s paranoia. The- <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, um, Jim Keith was an interesting guy, right there. I would definitely recommend people uh, include Jim Keith in their 14 rabbit holes. And um,
1: I read oh, the Masters of the Illuminati the other day, just for like something to read in a couple hours because it's really short. You know,
0: like <laughs> how was it? It's been a long time since I've looked through that one.
1: Right. Yeah. It was the same for me and it, it holds up. I'd say it holds up. It's, it's, um, you know, pretty crazy stuff. Uh, the addition <laughs> yeah. that I have is pretty cool though. Cause it also includes like a, um, uh, it, it includes a, a presentation that he gave, like the abstract from a presentation that he gave at a conference about, about basically what I was talking about earlier, which mm. was nice to read somebody else kind of, you know, having these thoughts before i i've already come to accept that nothing i can think of is going to be my own thought
0: (laughs) (laughs) right i feel you there
1: um about the nature of reality basically that we kind of create our own reality and um i don't know that i agree with with his assessment entirely and he does get some things wrong sometimes but uh i think i think he goes very wrong with things especially when dealing with the occult um I think he gives some some occultists more power than maybe they had. but
0: <laughs> Oh, I see. Like, um, Wow, well, we don't need to go down Jim Keith rabbit hole, but there's good food for thought there. Um, um, yeah, I recommend the
1: books. They are entertaining at the very least.
0: So. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about, you mentioned spontaneous combustion earlier. What are your thoughts on that? That's another just weird outlier head scratcher that there's seems to have consistent here. food for thought
1: as a kid, it was a huge fear of mine <laughs> worried that I was going to burst
0: into flame someday. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, and it does seem, well, I mean, that's kind of the debate, but it does seem to happen. Right. What do you, what are your thoughts on that? Ultimately?
1: Yeah. I mean, it is, it is unexplained and people have tried to, uh, people have tried to put forth theories about how, how it could happen right so there there was the wick theory um I think they called it that Mm -hmm. where if you were to start a fire on a fatty body then the fat would kind of boil through the fabric and it would eventually burn hot enough to incinerate somebody um I think the more mysterious part about spontaneous human combustion is that generally if somebody bursts in the flame in the room that they're in uh the room itself isn't consumed with flame yeah. So if the fire was hot enough to reduce bones and everything else to ash, but not scorch the curtains that were two feet away,
0: not even scorch the bed sometimes that they burned in. Right. Yeah. What the, yeah. What the hell is going on there? Um. It Uh. I, I have no idea, man. I've looked into it a little bit in the past and it's just one of those things where it's like, all right, well there's documentation of like aftermath of, whatever this is, call it spontaneous combustion. And it seems uh, like, you know, that that that's, you know, as good of a definition as we can get, like, it seems like they just, they just light on fire out of nowhere. And it, it's, how would you even, I don't know, man, I don't know, is it paranormal or what? How would you even light a fire inside yourself? Is that like, certain some circuits misfiring in the body some bioelectrical shit that we have no idea about it's crazy to think about Chemical reaction yeah (laughs) yeah um coke and coke and mentos in in the stomach (laughs) yeah i used to think
1: that when i was younger
0: like maybe some weird chemical
1: reaction just causes like you know a gas eruption and, and somewhere in your organs and starts inside and works its way out you know um but something but yeah i mean it's uh it's improbable but it seems to have actually happened before
0: (laughs) yeah another one of my favorite weird things this if nothing else for just kind of a mention um is the the accounts that you find because i think there's more than one account um in the book of the damned of raining frogs and other animals and things yep yeah. What what is your assessment of that right there? Is that just mythology or what? Oh no.
1: No, it's documented. I had uh, that that happened kind of close to me in Leicester, Massachusetts. What? Uh, in the in 1950s. There's a documented case of that.
0: Wait, did they just a giant mass of them swept up in a in the winds and thrown back down or what? That's crazy.
1: Yeah, I mean, sometimes people attribute it to frog migration. And say that, you know, there would be rain with maybe some hail in it and the frogs would start migrating at the same time. And it kind of gives the illusion that the frogs are falling with the rain. <laughs> um, and, and then when people kind of look around, they see frogs everywhere. They're like, they must have fallen out of the sky. <laughs> that doesn't sound too crazy to me, you know. Um, because, I mean, the thing is, the human mind is pretty easily tricked. So part of being being a 14 i think or at least the way i like to approach things is that i do balance it with with uh with logic yeah (laughs) because i'll either entertain the craziest explanation for something or or i can or or i can like fish through my bag for the most mundane (laughs) explanation (laughs) because there's usually one available there's one that's kind of there when you're talking about like cattle mutilation or spontaneous human combustion, it becomes way more difficult. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, often the human mind can be very easily tricked and, uh, anybody studying a little bit of sleight of hand or, uh, stage magic can, can attest to that, you know, no doubt. like I have, and I've, realize that some some tricks are so mind-bendingly simple (laughs) and so effective like the fact that it's effective at all makes no sense at all to me right Mm -hmm. so when you read how a trick is done with like say cards sometimes you're just like there's no way that would fool somebody i must (laughs) have missed something in the directions here that wouldn't work but it does (laughs) so yeah um but to go further than that with what we were talking about earlier, it's a lot of ancient cultures like the you know ancient Hindu and Buddhist peoples already recognize that what we see and what we hear and what we perceive as being real is just an illusion anyway. So, you know, it's just illusions projected in and around other illusions.
6: <laughs> yeah
1: kind of and, takes the wind out of the sails of it, but. <laughs>
0: anyway. Well, with, with all that in mind, um, because I can very much relate to you on everything you just said in terms of gauging all these things, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and you've brought up some of your experiences and just for people out there, um, if you wouldn't mind it, go into whatever sort of detail you'd like, just um, a little more about, I don't know how, how these things, how pursuing your interests in these things kind of helped you contextualize your own life and maybe some of the things that you found difficult about it, because this is sort of a calling, you know, no one really, unless you're a true grifter, you don't really get into this stuff for any sort of gain um, other than um, honestly, just other than maybe passion and uh, like the love of a good story. You want to find some sort of contentment you know like um, even if you're not looking for the ultimate answers to the mysteries you'd like to wrap your head around some of the mysteries that way you know that could you could live a more informed life so i don't know whatever you'd like to um enlighten the listeners on your uh on your experiences mr strange <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah um See, that's what ends up happening is when I get on these shows, I end up telling the same stories over and over, but the long and short of it is that um, I grew up in a house that was built in 1779 and it's easy to believe that a place like that is haunted, but I did experience a lot of kind of spooky things there when I was younger. Um, uh, The story that I end up telling every time I'm on a show is the had a pair of luminous entities just kind of at the end of my bed talking to me, um, and I was maybe like three or four, somewhere in that age age range. Um, and that was that was one experience that happened when I was very very young that had me questioning a lot from from you know right from the get go, um, but w- all through my my um preteen years there was a lot of like poltergeist activity in the house that made it kind of hard to deny, right? Mm-hmm. And in the in between I was reading about all of this stuff. So uh when it kind of inf- what your what your sense of reality is informed by the experiences you have and how you choose to react to them. Well said. Uh, and I think for me it was a long a long road. Um as I mentioned earlier and as I mentioned that I don't really ever talk about too much. I did have some mental health difficulties in my early twenties. And I think a lot of that was a product of not, not handling stuff, (laughs) not handling my own experiences and maybe the way I should have, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, Well, I I really appreciate you being open about that because that's something that I've been open about um, just having, you know, um, I think more often than not people you know like I said, people come to you know these kinds of uh schools of thought or interests because I don't know there's there's something that they're trying to to figure out you know and and and, and something that could oftentimes be something physical, some sort of quest type thing, but it it always goes back to it to some degree something inside yourself, um, some sort of, you know, union heroes journey. And, um, and I, and, and, and I think that, you know, the more people, the more we can just kind of admit that, that this is, you know, people trying to better themselves, best case scenario, you know, even when you look into esotericism and, and, you know, whatever else it, it, if someone is not getting into this stuff to try and better themselves, you know, in, in a way that's good for them and altruistic, you know, something that sees results in one way or another, then, you know, everything, life is trial and error. So, you know, don't beat yourself up if you're not seeing good results, but I would, I would urge you to take a a healthier approach. Like we have to have some sort of real goals in mind other than just spiraling down the rabbit hole.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like the whole Chapel Perilous thing, you know. <laughs> um but uh yeah, I think that in in your books it's it, it's kind of uh uh illustrated pretty well. It's a, there's a way Thanks. Of doing it in a narrative form which is just kind of you suddenly find yourself being guided through this dense jungle with all kinds of weird monsters and UFOs in it you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like I think that when I first reached out to you after reading it, it was just kind of like, yeah, I mean, I kind of put it the same way when i was when I was younger, I wrote like a series of poems that um that told a narrative story that was kind of really similar in a lot of ways because it was you know a jungle island based on uh dream dream imagery from the time where I was having a lot of nightmares um and the book seemed to actually work for me as a sort of hyper sigil to break me out of of uh the routines that I was in at the time so um yeah it's That's... I, I appreciate your book because <laughs> it reminded me of that
0: too you know yeah, well, I appreciate that. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I'm glad you brought that up too, because um, I love, I don't know what the best way to put it, um, whenever I come across in conversation, people's, it, it just like, t- uh, you know, stories of like personal transcendentalism, um, you know, if you want to call that a small slice of a mystical experience or some sort of um step in this the stages of enlightenment whatever you want to call it that 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 mystical insight where art um links up with the things that are sort of bubbling inside us and we are able to experience some sort of catharsis just through like shaking the kaleidoscope of our our minds and our lives up in the right way and creating you know something like like a sigil um Uh, through your art and your intentions um i you know that's such a beautiful practical and um just like empirical approach to you know something like magic or mysticism i think people think about something like love and money spells too often and they forget like the where it all comes from you know the existential implications of it all
1: right i mean it's the difference between you know magic for gain and like the great work as
0: it were amen man yeah for sure
1: and uh to get back to this kind of is um seems to be coming full circle to what we were talking about earlier is uh, as far as experiences go with with uh what you might call 14 phenomena is that they are when you're talking about the stories themselves generally can be considered like visionary experiences. Right. Yes. So, yeah. And and whether that's a fiction or a um, projection of some kind or material reality, that's doesn't make the vision any less impactful.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, Well, I got one last bit for you and I think that um, this will, this will keep us going for for a, at least a little while longer because this is definitely something to unpack. We've hinted at it a couple times in different ways. So, what do you think? You know, like looking at the uh, like the miracles of Fatima and other um, mass hysteria or like collective transcendentalists, whatever you want to call it. You know, a collective egregor, um, like a, a thought form. There seems to be this recurring theme of collective energy, people all getting on the same page, whether or not that page is even empirical and somehow sharing in an experience that they might not otherwise, you know, be privy to, but like the, the fact that they're all kind of linking together in that sort of collective consciousness sort of way, what do you think about all that is that also something that's hard for me. I don't know where it all fits in and it's, it just becomes part of that tangled web, but it seems to be sort of a core motif, like an outpouring of a lot of um this this these kinds of 14 conversations.
1: Yeah I mean I think there's something to be said for that. Um I think though that it's bigger and weirder than people give it credit for, right? Agreed. But people use small examples when they talk about this kind of stuff where um you know, UFOs are like some kind of egregoric output from people's belief in UFOs. Um, I mean, I think Jung himself, when he wrote about flying saucers, was talking about them being, you know, an expression of of anxieties from <laughs> from the world following the Second World War and um, mm-hmm. comparing flying saucers to um, mandalas and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you, when you try to get too specific with it, I I wonder sometimes if, uh, if, if it's like missing the bigger picture, you know, not seeing the forest for the trees.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. Um, I think think
1: that try to fold Fatima into the, into ufology, right? They do. Yeah.
0: Especially since Jacques Vallée made the case. And Fatima
1: to Catholics is like a sacred miracle, a miraculous event, right?
0: So, right.
1: So it's kind of um, maybe they're both part of something bigger, right? So,
0: yeah, that's where my mind tends to go. Cause, you know, Valet also, um, he, I can't remember what book it is, um, but. Um, might be messengers of deception. I'm not sure. Um, but he he also makes the case in the same book where he gets into Fatima, um, about uh the Mormons and like Joseph Smith and how some of that actually. He's like, hey, we you know we're just. I'm not saying that all of this is legitimate, but if we look at the his you know the classical accounts, all this stuff seems to fit. Um, a lot of like archetypal UFO. Phenomena and in the same book, I believe um I'd have to fish it out, but I know it's it, it, uh, there's a quote from Valet where he talks about how he finds himself very like in the same kind of category uh as um John keel and uh Carl Jung uh, with slight differences, so um he's definitely coming from that sort of mindset, but um i don't know like there there seems to be I don't know this this is to talk about a tangled slinky here but um ufos i think i don't know where the ontology i don't know where the trail of breadcrumbs ends on this one but it does seem like you can lump it in or that it 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 runs along similar themes as like mystical phenomena i don't really know how to take that in the long run uh it definitely like muddies the waters in terms of ontology and trying to get to the root of these things
1: yeah it it does and it makes it almost seem like a fool's errand
0: yeah yeah
1: um and could be the beginning of the fool's journey <laughs> <laughs> you know
0: because you know
1: you mentioned breadcrumbs and i've often said that trying to figure out this kind of material is basically following a trail of breadcrumbs that's going to lead your lead you back to yourself
0: yeah damn very poetic. I like that a lot. Yeah. And this really is the fool's journey. Um, and that doesn't mean that you shouldn't go on it. I think if anything, that just means recognize that and sort of embrace the fact that, um, I don't know, sort of carving out your own path is in and of itself kind of foolish and like you have to, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It's all about the process. Um, but yeah, um, interesting stuff. I don't know. Um, I definitely don't think that ufos and um whatever beings that are associated with them should be deified um there's always that fine line because i always seem to bring have myself coming back to what all seems to be stemming from similar phenomenology and it it, you know it's just like branching out further and further away from itself but um yeah it doesn't seem like uh it doesn't seem like much good comes from the deification of them and um I, d- I definitely don't buy the whole ancient alien thing you know i think that you can obviously see recurring themes of this stuff throughout history for for reasons but and if i'm i think honestly the whole ancient alien thing um might be one of the biggest like nails in the coffin for me in terms of the nuts and bolts um hypotheses absolutely yeah you would agree <laughs>
1: oh yeah i mean the uh ancient astronaut the, the theory um is i mean it's become mummified as as uh, the absurdity that it is for a good reason these days you know
2: mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm.
1: and uh, but not the least of which we should probably mention is just that um really does a disservice to humankind mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. especially humankind and the ingenuity of ancient peoples hell yeah to me it's much cooler to think that ancient civilizations had some kind of natural technology that allowed them to do things that we couldn't conceive of based on what we know of them to have had you know um uh, tapping into natural energy sources you know uh, uh Imagine if there was something that didn't require any machinery to cut limestone blocks and levitate them into place.
6: <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, you would call it magic, I guess, right? But imagine if there is there is some kind of natural force that allows for that to happen. That's just so long forgotten. You know, why do we need to involve uh, beings from Zeta Reticuli or whatever, wherever? <laughs> Agreed. What's the point of that? I mean some of it some of it is is racist too. There's always there there's always race, racial elements involved in this stuff and um, mm-hmm. but it's also selling humanity short in general. <laughs> um and and also I it just the ETH has never ever made sense to me at all. It it seems like the least likely scenario for why we would see lights in the sky and beings from other planets you know agreed Uh, yeah just what the (laughs) what that implies like the implications of that and the ramifications of it where what would be what would need be necessary for something to travel light years to get here to what teach us how to build pyramids or dismember a cow like (laughs) (laughs) yeah no kidding
0: man as um as
1: you imagine it, like I mean, sacrificing cattle was in a lot of those ancient cultures was was a uh <laughs> was, huh. was was like ritual magic, you know.
0: So. No kidding, yeah, that's another good point. Yeah. Um hmm, another head scratcher there, that's for sure. Um so do you think um how how much of a degree do you think um like emotions being sort of in that, like in a more grandiose mystical outlook on like Jungian projection, how much uh, of uh 14 phenomena do you think is like at least in part catalyzed by something existential within the human being, whether it be like a crisis or an emotional quality or whatever, because it especially seems when you look at like group hysteria, you know, something like, you know, even things that are hard to, completely dismiss even as a skeptic you know it's at least going to leave you head scratching like you know mothman and point pleasant and um and so many other examples you can find of of um um, groups steamrolling into into this sort of thing that becomes larger than life in a way how much how much of a role do do you do you think that that plays
1: well um i think attitude plays a lot more into it than anything else but yeah i mean people's anxieties or beliefs or uh outrage I, I i think i think it's interesting to note that the last time we saw reports of mysterious clowns happening fairly often was back in 2016 during that election cycle
0: <laughs> yeah
1: a very crazy time for this country that you know led to even crazier times and so much has happened in the past um, six to eight years that it's hard to like remember a time back then. But I, I feel like there was so much anxiety and and um, concern about what was going to happen with with the 2016 election. I think it manifested in clowns, like I honestly do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I like that consideration there, and I'm glad you brought that up as well because I know that you've mentioned um, you've been fascinated with like the recurring archetype of the phantom clown, um, and that would have been something great to add into the list of Fortean odds and ends. So a little asterisk on there, whatever kind of detail you'd like to go into, um, tell us about like the Fortean concept of of a phantom clown
1: well i mean lauren coleman wrote about this back in the early 80s and again this was kind of near me is where it started it was out toward boston
2: Massachusetts,
1: hmm. and um there were reports of of clowns trying to like abduct kids basically um and these stories Damn. didn't make any sense because they should have been really easy to catch right um they were described as being like in broken down vans that were all busted up and like should have stuck out like a sore thumb and also been pulled over just by virtue of the fact that like they had busted blinkers and headlights and things. So, um, but also they were clowns <laughs> like full grease paint and everything. That is um, wild. In some cases, only partially clothed. Um, but what so what makes them phantom clowns in that respect is that they were seen reported and then never seen again in that area right wow not captured not captured on film even um <clears throat> so before this news really had a chance to travel they started popping up in other places um they seemed to pop up like in providence and then pennsylvania and then way out in like kansas i think um <laughs> Really, the, Lauren Coleman was putting these together because he was he was living in the Boston area for the, the original flap, but also because people sent him clippings from all over at the time. Um, because he was already a known researcher, mm-hmm. so he actually has like a whole like clown encounters scale that's sort of like the Close Encounters Heineck scale.
0: Wow, no <laughs> or, kidding
1: for, um, uh, you know, what, what constitutes a phantom clown versus a stalking clown versus a killer clown. So
0: Did you ever, uh, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with the movie Killer Clowns from Outer Space then, huh? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> Classic. Um, so have you um, or anyone you know um, a- a- ever seen any of these phantom clowns since you grew up in the area where they kind of stemmed from initially?
1: no because i mean and that's part of it is that you know it happened and then seemed to just go away right hmm. but it is something that recurs and in recent years i think it's down to the prevalence of the internet and people trying to go viral by hoaxing it right right um, and that's what a lot of like the 2016 ones seem to be but um <clears throat> but weird that they were all just kind of doing it at the same time i think it was fe- definitely
0: very strange
1: cultural you know Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah i did have one person tell me a story about they went to school somewhere near boston and and there was a story about a creepy clown that lived in the woods near the school oh and um he, he was often seen just like eating cans of cat food and stuff and it was in an area where like a small patch of of wooded area that wasn't big enough to really hide somebody,
0: <laughs> what the hell but
1: he went down there with his buddy and they found like a little uh <coughs> like kind of shabby lean to kind of tent made down there just filled with like empty cans of cat food. so what the he hell down, but like he <laughs> found evidence of the area where some the supposed uh clown lived. <laughs>
0: dude that is fascinating um that is the stuff that gets my gears going like what what the hell is going on there um well very interesting um um as as some cherries on top here man um you mentioned lauren coleman and things um and that's a great name i'd recommend for anyone uh going down the 14 rabbit hole uh are there any other names um that you would recommend like if someone is fascinated by this conversation and is trying to educate themselves a little further,
1: oh yeah, I got like a big old fourteen library and <laughs> <laughs> my weird library here, um so I've been collecting books for way too long and actually don't have room for all the books I have,
0: it's uh, <laughs> a great problem,
1: yeah, it's a great problem to have <laughs> just need more bookshelves, that's all. Uh, uh, I would recommend people, if you can ever just find old copies of like Fate magazine, those are always loaded to the brim with cool, weird stuff. Um, I've been kind of on a Ted Holiday kick lately.
0: Oh, yes. God, glad you brought him up.
1: Ted Holiday is is well worth your time. Colin Wilson mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. is one of my favorites, um, especially if you're interested in the occult but don't know where to look. His book, The Occult, A History, is is a primer. I always recommend to people. Um Charles Fort, Montague Summers. Have you ever read any Montague Summers?
0: I don't think I know that name, honestly.
1: Oh, the Reverend Montague Summers. Is yeah. Air quotes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like a character. Oh, hell yeah. He was a um he referred to himself as a reverend, even though there's no record of him ever actually, you know, being ordained. But uh he wrote these voluminous books about werewolves and vampires and witches from from the perspective of like the Catholic Church basically. Hmm. Uh, but they he tirelessly researched them. And uh so I mean if you want some good vampire lore, especially now heading into the Halloween season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got two books on vampires, one on werewolves and uh um you know there's other ones on witchcraft and witches in general and there's a there's a copy of the malius maleficarum that was kind of translated and notated by him as well so um this is all like pre 1930s i think i think he died in the 30s or 40s
0: that's some of my favorite work to read i really like I don't know if it's just i i like the approach or the writing or just the fact that it's just far enough removed from where i am now but but still close enough i really like that era of writing like like pre and mid and right after like world war ii um like that just the whole early 20th century um is yeah there's something about it man um I, I I just, I love so much um, basically what you just kind of talked about, like just going into the, the, the dingiest bookstores, used bookstores and, and going right to the unexplainable section and trying to find the most obscure stuff I can. That's, that's how you find some of the best gold.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: And all sorts of stuff uh, on those shelves. Isn't going to be on the internet. Yeah. Uh, I think people, like, I have this weird assumption that, like, why even buy a book when I can just Google it? Do you really, do you really think that it's all on the internet? I mean, the internet's cool, but there's... Sure. Yeah.
1: people also rely on things like Wikipedia, which is just kind of always going to change, you know?
0: Wait, you, wait, you don't, you don't heavily rely on Wikipedia?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shit, I need to change my game here. I'm doing there's something some wrong. People- <laughs>
1: podcasts on, on the back of wikipedia <laughs> <laughs> the, the book of the research is wikipedia oh oh well, no i might have to listen to a different podcast then yeah
0: oops <laughs> 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 oh man um well all right so final question for now and we are going to definitely get you back on the show before too long because i feel like we just opened up so many rabbit holes um that we can go down in the future. Like, so I think you are, not only are you just sort of like a bastion for 14 investigation in my eyes, you know, you're, I, you're, you're very authentic uh, and down to earth. You got a sense of humor and you're, you're an encyclopedia about a lot of this stuff and you've come from hard times in the past at, and as I said before, I think that more often than not that kind of denotes um, like a well-traveled Fortean, you know someone who has used these things and their interest in these things to better themselves so what would you say to someone that is not just interested in this stuff but having some sort of degree of like a dark night of the soul like what w- what would you tell them on their on their hero's journey there uh
1: well i guess to thine own self be true <laughs> hmm. well said it's one of those things that just really sounds easy until you try to do it or entirely really consider what it is. Right. Um, I like, I think a lot of this phenomena, if it's happening to you or if you're just fascinated by it, because there are a lot of people that are fascinated by this stuff and say, Oh man, nothing's ever happened to me. Like why mm-hmm. does it happen to me? I've never had these experiences. I'd like to, you know? Um, and then maybe they're just already, Kind of where they need to be, right? Um, I think so much of this has to do with just fate pushing you in one direction or another, which is why I really enjoy the term weird because that's where it comes from. It originally just meant like fate, I a, forgot
0: about that, yeah, yrd,
1: right? Yeah, um, so, um, yeah, being true to yourself and finding out what those inner truths mean to you is uh, um, trusting your instincts. And uh, I mean, it's not like I'm perfect or anything. <laughs> I don't even think I'm all that great. But <laughs> I don't want to be a guru here, but, um, but that as class, I feel like that's what I'm working toward is being, being as authentic as I can be
0: while still using a fake name on the internet. <laughs> Amen, man. Amen. Um, and um, I, I thank you so much for coming on. Um, this was, this was a lot of fun and um, it takes a certain kind of individual to be able to just sprint through so many different topics and keep it cogent and entertaining. I hope the listeners thought it was entertaining. I had a lot of fun. Um, no, so too yeah and um yeah we'll definitely get you back on here before too long um don't forget to any listeners out there you could check out apstrange.com. you can find this dude on twitter um and you can check out his podcast the eternal void uh but with jazz so mr ap strange thank you so much man uh you take care thank you all right and to the listeners we'll see you next time this is black hoodie alchemy i'm anthony tyler you take care as well
7: Some say the universe is static, but everything's eventually bound to change, and right now we're intellectually bound to change I'm sitting down trying to count the days cause it ain't meant to be for temples to perpetually sound the same, my pen weeps to the key of this beat, the same key inside the subtle symphony of the street when the winter's in its prime, the fact that life withers in its time, by designs like the splinter in your mind, peep that, keep track till you see the end, I speak these jams on beat with earth's BPMs and the voices of my ancestors singing with me, with their sound waves and printed in the rings of a tree that's missing its leaves, it's all gray and white. Some folks pray to Christ to get right, but we all pay the price. A place where lost souls lead the cold way your life. Walking over the red snow, rocking coats made of ice, frozen through. And as the evening came, I made peace with the pain in my freezing veins. I'm trying to make it through the sleet and the rain, patiently waiting for the season to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: Wonder why we change with seasons Personality switch can slain the meaning of a main demeanor Quickest like can change his way the evening of a character Just a matter of phases to mislead him Then he's cold and in a rainy day and springing Then he falls into dreaming Some are thinking he's crazy, hate to be on one when to stop a question, it is not the paper leaves him He's a narrator who can't control the lyrics He just fights it out with characters With different lines he live in that he writes about Sometimes they take control and they surprise him They don't like the bouts, but trying to find his routers Like he's fighting in a Tyson bout Once the lights are out, that's when they whisper to him Softly with unforgettable words that he it haunts me. We know the soul is costly, but once the money is summoned, it's a profit. Our values are about to take autumn and flush them down the toilet. It's awful how money can spring a like a in a picture like an author. And the colder, windy days can make departure in this empty margin. At night he tries to go to sleep, but he just twists and twirls. His voices in his head, reminds him it's just him against the world. He hurls up out of bed, his eyes are burning red and shining bright. He's forced to scribble words. It doesn't matter What's the time at night. He sits up at his desk, he takes a breath, and then he counts to ten. He's feeling tense, and everything he's hearing, he just jots it in his notebook. Then he starts to lose his conscience and his oxygen. Then he notices. The entities won't stop until he drops the 10. Drops the
2: 10. Oh.
7: Spring, summer fall, some no winter, spring, summer fall, shit is deep, cause each one could see sun It wasn't from the seasons, the sun, season sign with seeds sprung. It was the cold ones, the dark ones, the bleak ones, the harsh ones, the deep ones, like a what?